0: This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at JennasChallenge.com. That's JennasChallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 15, Today I'm doing something I've never done before and what better way to do that than to share it with you. Today I'm sharing 10 things I am afraid, absolutely terrified to tell you. These aren't just trivial things like I suck at showering or I haven't shaved my legs in months. These are real things that I have never put out there online but these things are the things that are going to fill in the gaps that can naturally come in between us as humans, as listeners, as friends, as internet strangers. And so today, this episode is totally different. And it could be a giant hit and it might be a total flop. But I don't care because today I am telling you the truth. And so I'm so excited to share these 10 things That I believe, that I struggle with, that I obsess over, that I have going on in my life that you would have never guessed from following me online. So if you make it through this entire episode, I wish I could give you a virtual hug because you, my friend, are probably my kind of person. But if this episode drives you crazy or it's not for you, that's okay too. You're in good company. Whatever it is, this episode is for me. Served to you. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by Honeybook. Honeybook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. Honeybook is offering 20% off exclusively for gold digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com/slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey gold diggers, it is Jenna Kutcher, and today I'm coming at you with something totally different. It is about 9 p.m. It's totally dark out. Drew is out with his work buddy celebrating his last day of work, and I was sitting at home on the couch thinking about things that I'm afraid to tell you. I was inspired by the incredible Jess Lively of The Lively Show for her episodes where she shares things that she's afraid to tell her listeners And I really knew that there were things that I need to tell you before we can carry on with this podcast. I know that sounds dramatic and everything, but I really look at you as a friend, and I never want to show up with not honest intentions or with baggage that I feel like I can't really put out there. And so today, I'm going to go through 10 things that I'm afraid to tell you, and I promise, my promise to you in this episode is to keep it as real as I possibly can, and to just share from an open and honest heart, and pray that as listeners you can at least relate or just accept. So, number one, I am a workaholic. It's funny because I love to talk about being present, but I really struggle with it, And over the last five years, it's been a constant battle. I am a workaholic by choice. I don't need to be a workaholic by any means. There is no pressure on me to do what I do every day, but I love what I do. And sometimes I love it more than I love other things. And success of my business to me is number one sometimes over my marriage over my family, things like that. It's not anything I'm proud of, but it's the truth. I have become incredibly type A in my business and as it's continued to grow, I've actually been able to find more balance. That is the truth. I am working far in advanced now these days than I was in the past, and I'm not working from a place of stress, which is huge, huge, huge leaps and bounds from where I have been. But I love to work. I could work every single day of the week. I love Mondays because I can get back to work without feeling guilty. And so it's hard because I love to teach people to work smarter and not harder. But a lot of times I work smarter so that I can work harder. And that's kind of a hard confession because it's funny. I have created incredible workflows in my photography business, but that's just freed up more time to work on other projects like the podcast or my courses, and so I love work. I could work day and night, and I always tease Drew that if I wasn't married to him, I probably would, and I probably would work way different hours than I do right now, which my hours now resemble more of a normal human schedule, but... I get my best ideas at night. And so I feel like if I was a single girl in a high rise, I'd work from like 10 until 2 a.m. or something crazy like that. Number two is mean comments really affect me or hurt me more than I would ever let on. I think a lot of people think that I have an incredibly tough shell or exterior. But the funny thing is, is that even if I get a thousand kind, amazing comments, I can recite to you verbatim, the mean comments I've gotten over the years. And thankfully, they are few and far in between. Thank goodness for that. But those comments stick with me like glue. I think we all have that in life. Things that people have said to us that we will always remember. I remember when I was in like eighth grade and somebody called me thunder thighs and I was probably a size two or size four. Things like that will always haunt you. And I have gotten a lot better about brushing things off or just moving on, but it's funny because with a platform that I've grown, I've really escaped hard scrutiny, which is an amazing thing, just based off of numbers alone. But every once in a while, I will get some mean comments, and thankfully now my team might be screening them, maybe I'm just not even seeing them, which is awesome, but I can tell you, like mean comments or mean things said about me, it totally affects me. It totally affects me and it gets in my head and I will never forget those words. So maybe you can relate to that. Number three, and this is kind of a hard one to bring up. And when I wrote it down, I was like, shoot, do I really want to say this? But what is this episode called? Things I'm afraid to tell you. I am really afraid to have a baby. Not just because we had a miscarriage, but I am afraid of what that's going to look like. I am afraid that I am going to look back on these last five years and realize how hard I had been working for something so insignificant compared to a life. I'm scared for what it's going to do to my body. I'm scared for what it's going to do to my drive and my ability to take action. I'm scared if it's gonna not allow me to travel. I'm scared that I will be so obsessed with my baby that I will become anxious all of the time. There's so many things that go through my head and it's funny because people love to tell me like, you'll know when you're ready and all these things and there are days where I feel ready and there are days where I am terrified at the thought of it. And It's hard because Drew, I think, is ready. I think he is. And I think that when we were pregnant, I think he was so excited. I mean, the guy read an entire dad book on the way home from Hawaii. Like, he was so ready. And I was scared. The night that we found out I was pregnant, I couldn't sleep. I wasn't sure what to think. I mean, of course I'm excited. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will be a good mom. But I know that it's only going to be harder. Things aren't going to be easier. And it's just honest. Like, I'm afraid to have a baby. There I said it. Like, I'm afraid. And I'm also afraid to get pregnant again because I know that I'm going to be robbed of those incredible blissful moments that we had before because I'm going to be worried and I'm not going to feel like the safe zone is safe. And I just, I don't know if I can handle being let down again. And I worry, is my body okay? Am I okay? Am I defective? What is going on? So I am afraid to have a baby for many reasons, but I'm also excited for it. I am feeling really fortunate that we were able to get pregnant. And I'm afraid to offend people if we do get pregnant who are struggling because I've been there and it sucks And I'm afraid to make people feel worse about their situations if I don't even know what they are. There's just so much that happened in the last year with the miscarriage and trying to figure out, like, what is this going to look like for us? And when are we ready again? And what will that be? And I think I just became so much more aware and empathetic to different scenarios that could be going on in people's lives behind Instagram or, you know, in the behind the scenes. So number four is money has always had a really strong hold on my heart. It really has. It's been... One of those things that I have just really struggled with for as long as I can remember. I remember when we were little, my mom would give us allowance, and we had three little mason jars in our room, and one was for savings, and one was for church tithing, and one was for spending, and I coveted that money, and I worked hard for that money, and Ever since I was like 13, I babysat and nannied and had multiple jobs, and I paid my way through college, and money has just always been something that I've struggled with, and especially as a business owner, it's always been something that I've been striving towards, and I think a lot of that has to do with how we were raised. You know, my parents are incredible people, and they always just did the best they could, and I'll never forget one of the most pivotal times in my life. I think I was probably nine or so. Gosh, I don't remember. My dad worked for a steel foundry, and they went on strike for an entire year for unfair labor practices, one whole year. And my parents had never really had a savings, and I was always very aware of where we financially stood And going into that year of him being on strike, I remember just always being worried about money, like how can we afford this and what are we going to do? And I was a gymnast growing up and gymnastics is not a cheap sport to be in, not at all. It's so expensive. And I didn't realize it at the time, but my parents had the most giving hearts to be able to give me the ability to chase my dreams. And so... They negotiated with the owner of the gym that they would work at the gym so that I could go there tuition-free. And it was a club gym, so it was obviously pretty spendy. And thank God for my coach, Mark, who allowed them to do that. My parents remodeled the locker room, the kitchen. They painted things. My dad is so handy. My grandparents would come work at the gym. And I didn't understand that sacrifice at the time or why it was the way it was. I remember I was being mad that we couldn't afford new leotards or new grips or whatever that was. But now I look at that and I'm like, what a gift that my parents like sacrificed to make that happen. But one year when my dad was on strike... At the gym, there was a food shelf box for the holidays. And I remember asking my mom, mom, what can we put in the food shelf box? And I think I went through the pantry and probably took out something that I totally didn't like and brought it to the gym. And it was something really obscure. I'm pretty sure it was pumpkin filling, like for a pumpkin pie. And a few weeks later, right around the holidays, that box showed back up at our doorstep. And that was incredibly humbling. And I don't know if my parents ever knew where that box came from, but I knew because of that pumpkin. And it was, I mean, it was just crazy. Like my friends were giving food for us to have a family meal. Insane, right? It wasn't always that tough, but I think that things like that make you who you are. And so that goes to say that money has always had this place in my life of control, and I've always, it's funny, because now that we actually have money, I still see that happening. I'm still super cheap. I still love budget things and buying things on discount. I i value money even more now that I have it, I think. But I also feel like I'll never feel secure. You know, I'm always like, once we have this much saved up, once we have this much saved up. And so that's the reality. That's the truth. And I'm never, I wouldn't say I'm never money hungry, but I'm just always incredibly aware of finances and what that looks like. Ooh, okay. This is getting real up in here. Okay, number five. This is also a really hard one. Numbers, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the last one. Numbers are an addiction to me. I love measuring metrics. I love results. I love to track things. I have multiple notes in my iPhones of different numbers. I was on the math team growing up, little A-grade mathlete right here. I love math. I really do. When I do workouts, I do math equations in my head because it helps me not think about the actual workout, which is great. So you can imagine how fun running a full marathon is and calculating numbers the entire time, all four hours of it. I love numbers, but sometimes numbers can become this addiction to me. It can come in the form of likes or followers. It can come in the number of podcast listens. It can come in the numbers in our bank accounts. Numbers to me are tangible, and I really like that. And I think in being an entrepreneur, it's really hard sometimes to have those things that tell you how you're doing, to gauge where you're at, to show you the health of your business. And so numbers have become this addiction to me. And I have spreadsheets, and I have scraps of paper with numbers on them, and Again, it's just it's something that people might not know about me. Like I will refresh browsers to update numbers and to see where things are at. And numbers to me bring comfort because I feel educated on what I'm looking at, but it can also become a huge problem if it's something where I'm refreshing things to see if people are liking something or to see if people are commenting on something and I think for a lot of us, that's true, maybe not to the degree that I am at, but I am really trying to learn how to let go of that addiction because it is an addiction. It's feeling that, you know, right away, feeling that affirmation or using that to measure your worth or your skill or your ability. And so, numbers to me, while I love them and I love math and all of that, they can also be a way that I gauge things that just aren't accurate. So moving forward, number seven. I feel like this is like a really bad diary entry and I'm writing down all the bad stuff. But honestly, these are things that I have never told people. I mean, genuinely, like this this is it right here. If anyone listens to this as their first episode – I don't know if they'll keep listening, but that's the risk I'm willing to take to get this off my chest. So number seven, I think I'm on. I really struggle with body image. I was a gymnast, like I said. I was a collegiate diver. (laughs) I bet you didn't know that. I went to college and I dove on one of the top D3 swim teams in the nation. And I was always having to be in a swimsuit and a leotard, and I have never been that tiny of a girl. I mean, I guess when I was little, I was really small, but I have just, I really struggled with body image and I am a huge believer in real, not retouched and in celebrating our real beauty. But I have to be honest, I have photoshopped photos of myself. I have made myself look thinner. I've chosen photos intentionally that make me look better than I feel or look in real life. And I love to see the imperfections in other people as beauty, but I struggle to do that with myself. I love to look in the mirror at myself and see wrinkles and chin hairs and zits and scars and cellulite and all of those things that society has told us they're just not okay. And I've struggled with my weight a ton. It's like a terrible game of yo-yo. I don't know if yo-yo is considered a game, but if it is, it's a terrible one. It's hard because Drew is one of the healthiest people I've ever met, and he has the self-control of a God. But I I suck at it. I lack at it. I look to food for comfort. Working from home, a lot of days it's just easier to make a box of mac and cheese and not heat up some chicken and make a salad or things like that. And I tell myself excuses that make that okay. And so Struggling with body image is something that I've always had, and I've just waited for it to magically disappear someday, but I just don't think it will. And so, you know, I'm trying to learn how to love myself and to celebrate the things that I love to see in other people, the things that make them real and relatable and beautiful and different. But yeah, I mean it's a struggle, and I think You know, even shopping online is just really hard for me because I'll see these clothes and the way they look on these models and then I'll order them and they'll come and I'm like, oh gosh, that doesn't look like anything I thought it was. Send it back. And you know it can just spiral you into this giant place of self-doubt and self-worth loathing. And so that's why I love companies like Aerie and Darling Magazine and places that are really promoting that they're not retouching. Because when I see a girl online that looks like me, or I see somebody of my size rocking a bikini, and I see that their body isn't that far from mine, and I think that they're beautiful, I really start to see myself in them. And so that's why I love to get behind campaigns like that because I've really struggled with it. It's been something that has been a huge struggle in my life and continues to be so. And this year, I'm just really praying to just be healthier and stronger. And those are two things that I can get behind. I don't need to be skinnier. I don't need to be thinner or, you know, more perfect. I just want to feel healthy and strong. And so that's where I'm at with that walk. (laughs) Number eight is I... I think I got way off on the number I don't think that's number eight. I don't know. Let's ditch the numbers. It's not working. Okay, so here's a fun fact. I don't like social events. (laughs) It actually makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. And why that is is the bigger my brand has gotten, the harder it is to feel like I can just be me when I show up places. I feel like people have an idea of who I am. Or they've been following super closely and they feel like they know every detail of my life and they don't even ask. Or they, I worry that I'm showing up and I'm different than what they thought I was going to be. And so a lot of times when I get asked to speak at events or things like that, I just I don't like it because part of me just wants to fade off in the crowd and just be someone else. And it's such a blessing and a curse. Being known, and I I say that without prideful thing. I don't like to sound like I'm like full of myself. But once you start to get followers, and and you go out places, and people come up to you, and come up to Drew, or they recognize you, or things like that. And I mean, it doesn't happen that often, guys. Like I'm not a celebrity by any means, but you start to wonder, like, what is it that they think of me, or do they like me, or? Do they think I'm fake or, you know, and all these thoughts start going through your head and it just makes it really hard to be yourself in a social setting. Or do they know who I am or do they have no idea who I am or do they follow me or do they not? Yeah, it's just, it's incredibly uncomfortable for me. And I love, I love being on a stage and talking to a crowd. That is more comfortable to me than one-on-one interactions where people know who I am, but I don't know who they are. And it's really hard if people are like, oh my gosh, I read your blog and I follow you. Like, I love that. That's why I put all of this out there. But like, who are you? And I want to know your name and tell me a little something about you. Because it sometimes feels unfair to be put in a conversation that is only focused on you with a stranger. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've noticed that sometimes I just like to isolate myself and I can be known online, but I really struggle in being known in person. So let's keep this ball of moving. I don't know where that quote came from, but I don't think it's a real quote. I think maybe this ball of rolling would be more accurate. I am not a good wife sometimes. Let's just lay that one out there. I'm impatient. I really like to be in charge. Sometimes I show up better for my audience than I show up for my husband. And when I say sometimes, I think that I could say most of the time or a lot of the time. You know, sometimes it's easier to show up for strangers who only know what you've told them than to show up for the people who signed up to be with you no matter what. And I want to be a good wife. I value my marriage so much. But sometimes I'm not present at all. Sometimes I am avoiding conversations by looking at my phone. Sometimes I am going up to bed a little bit later because I had to check some numbers or quick send out an email before we went to bed. Sometimes I'm domineering. I acknowledge that. Like I have a really hard time The feminist in me just wants to like steamroll men sometimes. And I think that Drew sometimes can get the brunt of it. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not at all. I think that it's really easy to put out this perfect marriage. And let me just preface this all by saying, I genuinely believe that Drew and I have a great marriage. We really do. We've never slammed doors or slept in separate beds. We don't have knockout, drag out fights. We argue, of course. But, you know, sometimes our roles are just hard. And especially being the breadwinner and being the person that handles finances. And then after admitting I have a really hard time with numbers and money as obsessions, you know, it's just sometimes makes me not a great wife. And it's something I'm working on. And and in really just being present for Drew and asking him questions and not just saying like, did you pick up the coffee at the grocery store today? But like, how are you feeling about things? Or what are you dreaming about? Or what is one thing you wish you could do? And really having those conversations, the ones that we had, you know, when you were dating and imagining what life could look like. And so, you know, I'm sure this is no surprise, but I'm just, I'm just not a good wife sometimes and I am working on it. So I'm also not an artist. Hmm. Interesting, right? I really feel strongly that I struggle in claiming myself as an artist. And that might be weird because I'm a photographer and a calligrapher and whatever the heck you want to call me. But I always tell people I'm a businesswoman first and an artist second. And I don't feel entirely creative all the time. In fact, I don't feel creative a lot of the time. I love business. I love it. I love the strategy. I love the marketing. I love the numbers. I love all that stuff. And I love photography. And I love my wedding clients. But I have always been one of those people who can look at something and figure out how to do it or how to replicate it or how to make it happen and how to make it come to life. I was that girl that could look at a font and figure out like how do I write just like this? Or I could look at somebody's handwriting and learn how to duplicate it. And I feel like sometimes with photography, it's easy to do that, especially with tools like Pinterest and Instagram where you're seeing all these photos and Sometimes I just feel uninspired, like I'm just going through the motions because I know what will look good and I know what will turn out okay, but being creative is something that I actually have to work towards. It's not this innate thing in me. I think that when we talk about creatives and all of that, we love to imagine like, Tables with paint all over and paintbrushes and we have this cute little apron on and creative to me means shutting the outside world off so that I can let my thoughts rise up over everything else that I've been ingesting. And so I sometimes I just don't resonate in feeling like an artist. I went to a photo convention and spoke at it and I didn't know I was the first speaker. I didn't know that it was a thing that everybody who spoke did this like slideshow of all their images. Nobody told me that was a thing. But it was funny because once I realized like, okay, literally everyone else has done this except for me, I was okay with that because I don't look at my photography as an art. I look at it as a way to serve people. And I know that's weird and backwards, but that's just how my business mind thinks. And I am so good at like, getting the shot because I, I've i seen it. I know how to, to create it. I have always looked at an image and thought like, well, how did they get this? Where is the light at? How did they tell their couple to pose? What is her hand doing? I mean, like things like that. It's kind of weird, but there it is. I'm kind of weird, I guess. Okay, so we're down to the last few things that I'm afraid to tell you. So I suck at resting and this kind of goes hand in hand with this workaholic thing. I am the queen of telling myself and telling other people, like, once this thing is done, I'm going to rest. Once this thing is done, I'm going to rest. And I actually do schedule rest time into my schedule. This might surprise you. But you know what's funny? I always find a way to fill it up. I always do. I suck at resting. And With my workaholic tendencies, when I do that, when I schedule time to rest and then I fill it, I actually end up working more because a lot of times I'll overextend myself. Learning how to say no has been really hard for me. I am... a people pleaser at the core of my being. I love to make people happy. I love to be everything to everyone. And I teach them in courses that you shouldn't do that. I love it if somebody like emails me and they're like, hey, I need this. And I'm like, oh, don't worry, girl, i got you. And so learning to say no has been really hard, but it's become necessary because I love in the book, Present Over Perfect, which I'm reading right now, and I need every single reminder in it, When we are saying so many yeses to things, we are actually saying no. And a lot of times the things that we're saying no to are the most important things. And I have learned this. I really have learned this over the last year. And I've put it into practice. But it doesn't mean it's easy. I love to be everything to everyone. And I suck at resting. And so... I feel like sometimes people can capitalize on that because they know that I'll be a yes person or they'll become, quote, my dear friend. And I feel this sense of obligation to be that person for them, that reliable, strong businesswoman that Shauna Nequist talks about in Present Over Perfect. And it's like, I know I just can't be everything for everyone anymore. And that's a good place to be in a new year. Just understanding that Saying no doesn't have to be a negative thing, and really looking at what are my best yeses that I can make, and how can I bless other people while still not depleting myself entirely. So this last one, if you are still here, God bless you, is my faith. You know, a lot of people know I'm a Christian. I don't hide that in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of times as an entrepreneur who speaks to a very broad audience, it can be really freaking challenging to know how to share my faith, how to glorify God in my work without making people turn away. Because the last thing that I want to do is make people feel uncomfortable or unwelcome. But I also want to live boldly in Christ. And so, if you're listening to this and you are not a Christian, please do not feel any different around me. My goal as a business owner, as a human in pursuit of having a full life, is to just point you to the God that I follow. I mean, that's the best thing that I can do. And to be entirely candid, as I have been over the last 30 some minutes, Having a faith has been this very windy road for me. There have been some incredibly high highs and some really low lows. And to be honest, the last few years, I've just felt super distant from God. I have, you know, gone to church religiously and joined a small group. And we do devotionals before bed every night. We pray. And I think that part of that comes from being afraid to be silent. Because I know that when I'm silent with God... I am going to be revealed in my true being. So I have a tendency to turn the music up or turn the TV on or put on a podcast instead of just sitting in silence. It's like I'm running from it with noise. And the other day we were in church together. We were singing a worship song and I looked around at these people with their hands held high and I just said, I want to feel that. I want to. But I know that I am the only one holding me back from that. And it's funny because in college, I went through this phase where I just felt so close to God. I would go sit at Starbucks and journal and read my Bible and really dive in and pray. And I read those journal entries and I wonder, was that really what I was feeling? Was that real? How come I can't feel that anymore? Why is that not how my faith looks these days? And I know that it all comes back to me and my choices and how I am pushing God out and one of the things that really stood out to me in the last year was I got told about the word ego, and the way that ego was described is not in the way Beyonce sings about it, but ego as in edging God out, in holding our grip really tight on our life, on our business, on our marriage, on our dreams, and not opening our hands to what God has in store for us. And while I'm not going to take you to church right now, but I pray you might be saying amen, amen. I think that it's really hard to be honest about that distance sometimes because we know that we're the ones at fault for it. We're not the ones that are seeking. We're not the ones that are reaching out to God. We're praising him in the good times and praying for him in the bad times. But what about all those times in between? And so my faith has been something that has been somewhat of a struggle as an entrepreneur and a really smart marketer because I don't ever want to use it to gain favor and I don't ever want to use it to lose people either. And so it's this constant conviction of how do I share this with the world in a way that will connect? How do I do it in a way that will make them see the God that I follow? Because I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and sometimes the things that come out of my mouth or the actions I take or the things I do behind closed doors do not exemplify the God that I follow. And it's just one of those balancing acts that I don't think we'll ever master. I think balance is a unicorn. (laughs) I really do. So, in closing, with this crazy episode where I feel like it just dropped bombs on you, I want you to take a look into your life. What are those things that are edging God out or edging people out or putting gaps in between relationships that should be filled a little bit more full? What are the things that you feel guilt over, that you stress over, that you worry about, that you fixate on, that are controlling a piece of your life? that could instead be spent serving other people? What are those things that you pray that nobody finds out about you because you'd feel unworthy or not enough or guilty? There are so many things that happen to us in our lives, and there are so many different ways that we could look at them. We could look at them as fates destiny, the path that was carved for us. We could look at them as bad decisions or wrong turns. Or we could just look at them and say, this is a part of who I am. This is me. And this is why I am the way I am. And this is how you can accept me. When I started this podcast, I never dreamt it would be something that would allow me to do what I'm doing today. But the truth is, what an incredible freeing exercise this has been. To just lay it all out there. To actually put words behind the thoughts that I think day in and day out. To feel vulnerable and not like I'm hiding things from anyone. There are so many things in our lives that we are afraid to share. Right? You know what yours are. And I pray that this could just be something that inspires you. You don't have to go on Instagram or do a blog post. I would love for you to just take somebody in your life that you feel like there's a gap that's pushing you two apart and just bear those things that are doing that to you. Because the funny thing is, is that when we start to share things like this, we start to realize that we're not all that different. That there's pieces of us that are connected so deeply within ourselves that if we don't bring them to the surface, we'll never know that. And I would far rather have you follow me and like me and trust me and think about me as a friend, knowing these things, than to continue on with these internet facades and the veils that we use to cover up our insecurities and the things that are wrong with us. Because here's the thing, they're not actually wrong. They're part of being human. They're part of the experience called life. And once we start to understand that and acknowledge it, that is when... Some really cool things are going to happen. And so I'm not going to promise that I'll never do an episode like this again because I actually think I might do many more like this. For me, it was like therapy to just put it out there once and for all. I know that I probably just lost followers or fans. And to be honest, it's okay. Like it really is okay because those aren't my people. The people that are still listening, you, my dear friend, that is still listening after all of what I just said, you are one of my people. And so my goal of this year is to find my tribe and serve them well day in and day out, but also to serve myself well and to celebrate the things that might just make me a little bit different because isn't that what it's all about? So today, in closing, I just want to thank you. Thank you for giving me the space and the capacity to serve you in this weird way. Thank you for allowing me to open up and share those 10 things that I have literally never said online and even to people that I love dearly. And thank you for understanding that life isn't always Instagram worthy or perfect and that that's okay. It really is okay because maybe just maybe we will connect a little deeper, that gap will be bridged, and the next time you hear my voice, you'll feel a little more connected to who I actually am. So until next time, my friends, I pray that you keep on digging your biggest goals and you stop shying away from those things that make you, you, because you are enough and you aren't alone. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you.